Welcome to Changeable. This is episode number 220, Coming to Terms with Disappointment with Lindsay Elliott. You're tuned in to Changeable with Dr. Amy Johnson. Changeable podcast is all about breaking habits, ending anxiety, and the ironic way change really works. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Changeable. Um, I love this conversation you're about to listen to. I was going to say, it's one of my favorites. I feel like I probably say that a lot, but it it was really, really good. So Lindsay Elliott is a change coach. She's been a coach for a long time. Um, very, very good at what she does. And I just love what we talk about. She actually brought this idea to me and I just thought this is going to be so good to do an episode around. Um, so we talk about com- this this phrase kept jumping out, coming to terms with. And and I named the episode Coming to Terms with Disappointment. But really it's about how we come to terms with um, life when it doesn't show up the way we thought it would or the way we want it to. And the different ways that coming to terms with looks and how it feels and how, you know, it it's so varied and there's no right or wrong way and it's not on us to do. And, and Lindsay, the way she talks about this, she makes that so clear. We have this built-in design. It is built into our design to help us come to terms with things, to help us just be with whatever is showing up. It's nothing we have to learn. It's nothing we have to do. It's nothing that we even need insight for or that that we need an understanding for. You know, it, it's something that is just in the human design. So in this conversation, Lindsay talks about two things in particular for her, uh, a divorce she had many years ago and then some fertility issues and how coming to terms with these two things has looked so completely differently, different in both cases. And I love that. So in the, you'll hear, I don't want to give it all away, but in the case of the divorce, there was an insight that didn't come from an understanding. It didn't come from, you know, knowing what we talk about here in the show. It came because we're built for it. We're designed for it. It came because she's a human being and she saw something, uh, it, you know, she had an insight and it, it really just put this to bed for her. And in the case of um, fertility issues and, and having one child when she wanted more than one child, it's not that way at all. Yet, yet you'll hear her talk, you know, there's still a sense of peace around it. And, and that doesn't mean that this issue doesn't still have grief and sadness and that it's all just buttoned up and put away. This one in particular isn't for her. And I think we probably all have things like that, that still haven't turned out the way we want. And we wouldn't necessarily say, oh yeah, I'm over that. That's, that's a non-issue. This is not a non-issue for her. It is an issue but it's an issue she can still be at peace with her sadness and her when it arises, you know, and there's also joy and gratitude and all kinds of other things that arise. So I'll let her tell the story. I mean, I really, I just think this is such a beautiful conversation. I love how she talks about how we can only ever feel our thinking, which is, you know, something we talk about here a lot, but it's especially relevant in this conversation when it's like, no, life did this to me. Life should be different. Um, she just speaks about it really clearly and really simply and and really honestly. And I think something about hearing her talk about it in the context of these two things in her life um, just really helps it land. So 
Uh, I really hope you enjoy this conversation with, with Lindsay. And if you like what you hear and you'd like to talk with her more, please do reach out. I'll put her um, website address in the show notes. And she's just a great coach and obviously has seen a lot around a lot of this stuff. So I, I highly recommend that. Hi, Lindsay. Thank you so much for coming on Changeable. Oh, hi, Amy. I'm really delighted to be here. Thank you. Yeah, I'm excited to have you. Um, and I'm really excited to look at this topic that we've been kind of chatting about. And I guess I think you said this phrase and it really stuck with me um, of what we're going to be talking about is this idea of like how we come to terms with things. So mm -hmm. like just, yeah, like how do we when we have disappointments in life or things just don't go the way we thought they'd go or just anything, a loss, like this, this idea of how, how do we get through it? How do we cope with it? How do we come to terms with it? I think, mm -hmm. um, you know, even just that question makes it sound like there's this big active role for us in this, but I love what you said about it is like how it's just, built into the design. So, so maybe, um, yeah, maybe we can start by like, you can share a little bit about what you've seen around this and like some of the things that you've come to terms with. Yeah, sure. Certainly. So, um, I'll give you a, only a brief bit of my, uh, story to kind of put it in context. But, um, when I was in my, I got married in my, um, early thirties and had been with my now ex-husband for 10 years before we got married. And after we had been married for a year, he out of the blue, or I had, I got pregnant and then I had my first, um, miscarriage. And then pretty soon after that, out of the blue, he just said, I'm leaving. I'm not happy. So it was um, at the time incredibly devastating because I'd only been married a year. We'd been together for 12 years at that time. And, you know, I just also lost a baby. And it was all it was a pretty dark and difficult time, you know. Um, and so after the kind of storm of that, I suppose, you know, and on my process of trying to come to terms with that and obviously a lot of grieving I did many different things in that time so I did some counseling some normal talk therapy that was very helpful to do and did lots of crying and I did some energy healing and various other things that definitely helped with the immediacy of the heartbreak and uh, you know the you know I was then by that point sort of in my mid-30s of like oh my god what's going to happen I'm never going to have children all of that kind of panic stuff that a mind loves to do trying to predict the future and it was all disaster and doom and gloom but even within that I had two really one was an insight right at the beginning that was incredibly helpful. And another one was an insight right at the end that really did help me. And I'm sort of doing inverted commas, come to terms with, with what had happened and with the divorce. And the first one was that it, and, and at the time, so at the time I didn't actually have this understanding. I hadn't come across the inside out understanding or your work or the three principles. So I just had this kind of thought drop in out of nowhere. Oh, I don't want this to make me bitter. And that was really the thing that then 
because it wasn't, I knew it didn't come from my mind, my thinking, because my thinking was raging. It was like, I'm totally bitter. I'm totally pissed off and annoyed that you, you know, sorry to swear, um, you know, have left me and all of that, telling all of the stories about how disappointed I was and rejected. But this sense of, I don't want this to make me bitter was the thing that kind of pulled me through. And then some, you know, a few years later, it did take, you know, it was a good period of time of very up and down and feeling okay and not, you know, as the human experience is. But towards the, well, what was the end of the time, really? I had another insight drop in where, and again, it, I don't I know if the right drop in is quite right because it, it has a different feeling to it, had a different feeling where it wasn't my mind, it wasn't my brain, it was just a sense and something dropped into me that said, oh, there's nothing to forgive because he was braver than you. He was always going to do what you were never going to do. And what I mean by that is, in my story was my mum and dad have been married, are still married, they're in the early 80s, have been married for over 50 years. And I had a story running, oh, I'm never going to get divorced. I don't get divorced. We don't do divorce. You know, divorce is a bad thing. And so I also knew that I wasn't as happy in the relationship as I was sort of pretending to be, I think. And so once we got married, I know that I would have stuck on in there because I had this story running of divorce and da 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 And so actually he was brave. He was brave and he ended it when he wasn't happy either. And I don't think, I mean, obviously I, I can never say whether I would have in the end if we'd spent a few more unhappy years together. Um in that moment of that realisation was when I then realised, oh, there's nothing to forgive him for because he did us both a massive favour. He was braver than me. And it really just, that kind of helped me finally to really properly come to terms with it to the point where I can only think of him with love. There's, um, there's just such a peace around it. I don't really think about it very much. It doesn't come up an awful lot. If I hear about divorce, I don't feel, you know, kind of uh, that kind of sometimes that feeling inside of you where you get a bit poked by something. It's all just very clean and clear and done, really. And after I learned about this understanding, it was then in retrospect that I realised, oh, I had an insight. That was an insight. And that was what healed it. That's what helped me to come to terms with it. And the most amazing thing about that is that it's built into our design. So because it has nothing to do with my understanding of the three principles that made that happen, because I didn't understand it at the time, or you know, the work that you do. It's built into the human design, this capacity to see something completely differently that absolutely heals it. And, I, and of course, this I know this doesn't happen for everybody. There's, a, there's another example that I think we're going to talk about in my life where I haven't had this happen, but I've had something different happen that's helped me to, to live with it. Um, but what is amazing is how that just wasn't on me. It wasn't down to me. It had nothing to do with me, but it was so incredibly powerful and so so healing. And every single one of us has this capacity within us for this to happen now frustratingly we can't direct that we can't make it happen but sometimes even knowing that that capacity is just built into our design of the goodness of our design is for me is incredibly reassuring really 
I love that. Yeah, it ju- just knowing just knowing that it's there, that it's built in, that it's working behind the scenes, even when we're just swimming in repetitive, you know, horrible thinking, it's still there working. We're just we're just so focused on our thinking that we don't see it or our our story about what should or shouldn't have happened that we kind of miss it. But I agree, it's huge to just know that it's that it's built in and it's running. And I love how you said while you're like raging about all this and feeling very bitter, that feeling of I don't want this to make me bitter. And just the just how the way you said it, it kind of clicked for me how many times I've felt that and I'm sure everyone has where you hear something and you're almost like, wait a minute, that's not me. Like the me that's sitting here thinking this shouldn't have happened and that's full of anger. You know, like where did that come from? And that's that's so cool to to see. Mm, yeah, absolutely. And it was, it was like, there's the only way I can really describe it. It was like, it was sort of like a comfort underneath all of the noise and the volume and the up and down of my emotions and my thinking and all of that. There was just, it was almost just like a little guiding light, I guess, you know, that just kind of really helped me um, to... I guess also keep looking in the direction of that as well, you know, that I didn't want, because I knew, knew in a different way than my mind knowing that I didn't want to be bitter about this, that that did keep pulling me, not all the time, but certainly sort of on a trajectory. I think, you know, my consciousness on a trajectory. Again, I think, you know, I'm not saying this is any of this was really down to me, but it's just I feel like there was something within my being that I think, as you said, you know, is within all of us that can just it keeps kind of pulling us despite what our day to day moment to moment experience is, is doing, really, which obviously fluctuates hugely and all of the time. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. And, you know, and some people have also, you know, I've had clients say to me when I've, you know, used this as an example, is there a lot, you know, isn't it? wasn't it just the passage of time you know because I think we do there is this whole you know kind of concept within our society about oh the passage you know time is healing just the passage of time will heal it and I think to a certain degree there's some truth in that you know that the further away that we get from something that's traumatic and painful I think our, our neurology does stuff to soften it we forget things you know again built into the design and I think there is something healing about the passage of time but I don't know about you Amy but I also know people if we look at the divorce example who are still incredibly bitter about their divorces 20 years ago so you know because maybe they've innocently and again they're not meaning to do it but held on to the they were wrong I've been you know I'm the victim or you know whatever whatever the story is but there are certainly people who for the passage of time it doesn't heal and that's why I think it is it really is the power of that insight or that realization or that you know um that comes from, you know, kind of the benevolence of the universe, let's say, you know, uh, that is the thing that has the capacity to really heal it and change it for us and help us to come to terms with things. I think that's what makes it so difficult to talk about sometimes because it it's kind of a paradox. I think you're absolutely mm-hmm. right. Like just in time, 
I just think of like the seasons changing and the leaves falling off the trees. Like that's kind of, it feels to me like that happens within us when Mm -hmm. it comes to holding on to stories and anger. Like it takes so much energy and effort that this softening does just tend to happen and and it is built in. And Mm -hmm. exactly like you're saying, man, we have this somehow have this ability, not even doing it on purpose to really cling to a story. Like you very well could still say, wow, we don't get divorced in my family and look at what happened to me, you know? And so, and it's hard, I think, to get our heads around what you're saying sometimes because it's like, well, we don't have answers to why you had that insight there and maybe not somewhere else or why someone else didn't have that insight. Like no one knows the answers to those questions, but, and I don't know if there is, there is an answer. It's just like, yeah, sometimes it happens that way and sometimes it seemingly doesn't. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And and the the bit of us that wants to be able to control things is also probably the bit of us that wants to know, well, how do I get that insight? How do I do that? How do I make that happen? Mm-hmm. And, you know, as as we both know, as I'm sure everybody really knows, is you can't force it, you know, because I... I had no hand in that insight happening. And I also have no hand in the fact that, as you said, there's other areas and there is other areas of my life where I have come to terms with something, but not in that way. It's not in the same way. It doesn't have that same completeness to it. It's definitely more of a sort of living peacefully with something as opposed to a, oh, there's nothing on that anymore you know, and in fact, a sense of gratitude for it. So yeah, it's hard for our humanness to have something so intangible as, oh, an insight can heal you, that it's hard for for our humanness to grasp that, I think, you know, and to, but I also think that it it's one of the, it just takes it off of our to-do list, you know, mm-hmm. I've got to heal this, I've got to make this better. I've got to not feel these feelings. I've got to, you know, all of the ways that we make ourselves wrong and our life wrong and our experience wrong. Whereas actually if we know that this capacity, but it's not down to us, but this capacity for this immense healing to happen is is very, well, I find it very, as I said, very comforting. Yeah. Yeah, and just to see in our, in our minds quest to know and understand so that it can replicate and make things go perfectly like mm-hmm. we could hear your story and and say and for ourselves our minds are probably always doing this like oh well she had all that energy work and she went to counseling and you know like maybe that paved the way for the insight and again I just think it's so big to see like we don't know you don't know. I don't know. No one knows. And yes, a mind is going to make up a million theories about it. And some of those theories might feel really comforting in themselves. And there's nothing wrong with that. But in the end of the day, like we just don't know. But clearly, if we're not making it happen, there's something that's always possible for any of us. And yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And that's why I think there's, you know, it that when we're in these very challenging times in our lives, really paying attention to what makes sense to me to do to help myself, if if anything, you know, because, you know, certainly, and if it it made, it obviously made sense to me to have some counselling and it was helpful. 
you know, it was helpful. And it made sense to me to do some energy work. And it was helpful for sure. But I think it's when it comes from that, you know, like, oh, well, you must go and speak to a counsellor or you must do this because this is the path to healing. Well, no, it's completely individual. Coming to terms with something is going to look, I mean, mean, even the, the concept of coming to terms with something is totally individual and totally made up. Because what I feel is coming to terms with something could be totally different to how you would frame coming to terms with something. So, you know, even that is so individual. But I think if we can, when we're in these tricky situations or these challenging life stages or when events happen that, you know, they're a bit of a curveball, if we can just listen to to what we think is the, the next little bit, you know, that can just be incredibly helpful you know but just knowing all the while that it's listening to that kind of inner the inner voice that is really the helpful thing yeah yeah so so say a bit about because I I love what you're saying about you know sometimes it looks and feels different this whole thing about coming to terms with things can look Mm -hmm. and feel really different so around your divorce I mean, in a sense, it's all just kind of buttoned up and done, and you really have a lot of peace around that, which is which is mm-hmm. awesome. Um, but I talk about like you know your fertility issues, and because I know that's mm-hmm. another thing where there's also some terms that have that you've come to, I suppose, but it looks mm-hmm. and feels really different. Yeah, yeah, it does absolutely, and this is why I think this is what I mean by when I said, you know, what coming to terms with something means can be different for each individual and also different within one individual, you know. So basically after, just to go back to my life story, so after I had got divorced, I then uh, got together with uh, my now husband who I had known since university for over 20 years and we got together and we... um, decided to get married and we decided we knew we we really wanted to have children so I'd already had one miscarriage with my ex-husband and then as my husband and I started to try to get pregnant it took us quite a long time and I ended up having um, a couple more miscarriages and then eventually I did get pregnant and we have a now nearly 10 year old son and and then when he was about three-ish, three-and-a-half-ish, I had another miscarriage that was pretty traumatic and um, unpleasant. Not that, you know, most losses are not great, but it was a particularly traumatic one. So what has happened is, is that my mind uh, had wanted or made up that we, I definitely wanted two children. And I'm in a situation now where we only have one. I'm into perimenopause. I'm going to be 50 next year. So, you know, the likelihood of me having another child at this time is incredibly slim, given that, you know, I I clearly don't have the strongest fertility. And so what I have, so this obviously has been quite a big um, journey for me, really, this, because I've been through lots of, oh, I think I may never have a child to, oh my God, I've got a child. It's amazing. Because once I was actually pregnant, the pregnancy was very easy and healthy. And, you know, we had, I had a lovely birth. And since then, parenting has been very smooth. And, you know, so it's all been quite um, easy from that point of view. 
So I've gone from like, oh my God, we've got a child to then, oh, I've had a miscarriage and oh, it looks like he's going to be an only child. We're not going to have another one. And all of the feelings and the emotions and the society's conditioning and pressure and all of that kind of stuff coming in. And over the course of the last few years, things that have, so how I describe it now, it isn't, as you said, it isn't tidy and packed up like the divorce. But I live peacefully with it because what I noticed along the way was my mind. So it's completely subjective. The fact that we only have one child, obviously, as you talk about so much and so beautifully, it's it's me resisting life just showing these up. Life is showing up for me and my husband and my son as being an only child, as only having one child and all of the pain and the suffering is in my resistance to that. And part of the process of me coming to terms with that was just really seeing how my mind would talk in complete polarities about it. So it would say all of the stuff about, I really wish I had two children. I would love to have given birth again. I'd love my son. You know, a lot of it is around, I really wish my son would have a sibling. He's a beautiful human being. I think he would have been a great brother. Um, you know, it's so unfair. So many other people get pregnant really easily and they're really unhealthy. You know, all of the story, all of the story. And then on the other hand, my mind also talks to me in ways of he's totally enough. I absolutely adore having just one child to focus on. He, um, you know, I'm so grateful that we've got even one child, you know, and it tells lots of stories on the positive. And I was kind of like, and when we can kind of see this polarity and this paradox it's like well which one is true which picture being painted which story being told is true and the truth of it is is neither of it is true none of it is true there's no objective truth about this other than the fact that we have one child and I have lots of different experiences coming and going about this and so in whereas the divorce I said I don't really have a lot of feeling come up about it periodically and sometimes it can be quite frequent I still have lots of this kind of thought and feeling passing through me about this I can feel really sad about it I can get up in my head about it and particularly I think as I'm approaching a perimenopause where it's really like oh my fertility is absolutely going out of the window I've you know it's really like coming to the final days if you like I think it's coming up a bit more for me you know and I think this is something that where for women So this is a slight tangent in this stage of life. If their fertility hasn't been quite what they've wanted, you know, if they don't have, they haven't had children at all or they haven't got the family that they wanted, it can really rear its head at this time, I think, when when you're coming out of your fertile years. But anyway, but but what I've really seen about it is, is that the only thing that I can really do about this is just allow it to be there. And that's what I do. It comes in. I allow myself to feel it. I allow myself to feel all of the grief of it because I know hundred percent it's just going to pass on and then some joy and gratitude will come in and then I won't be thinking about the fact that we've got one child it's all just coming and going but it's really and this is what I mean about living peacefully with it is that it's in my being to allow it to come and go because I know it's subjective it's not the objective truth of life and just to let myself, and in some ways there's almost a sweetness in it, you know, because I know that part of the grief is because I love my son so much, yeah. you know, that actually I think, well, that would have been great to have another little you to love, you know, even though it wouldn't have been him 
So it's, but I think it, for me, my personal, it helped me to feel those feelings knowing that it was subjective. Whereas I used to tell myself a story that, well, of course, it's just really sad that we only have one child. You know, and because there is also a lot of society's conditioning around only children and how, you know, I have had, you know, one of my friend's sons has said, oh, it's really sad you don't have a brother or sister, you know, and that's kind of, that kind of bobs around in the consciousness. So there's, a, there's sometimes some of that to, and I think for people who don't have any children, there's also that kind of society's conditioning of, oh, you don't have children that we just kind of have to see through, really. So... The, the coming to terms with it is absolutely there, but it's just so different to how it has been with the divorce. And who knows, maybe at some point I'm going to have one of those insights drop in where there's no longer any sadness about it. And I may feel sad about it till the day I pop my clogs. I don't know. <laughs> but either way, yeah, I'm okay with it. You know? Yeah. And, and you can't, well, oh, there's so much I want to say. There's so much I love in what you just said. So one thing, um, even though I already know this, Lindsay, like, like just when you talk about these extremes that your mind will go to mm-hmm. and you say, you know, well, which is true. Like in a weird, in a weird way, I'm listening to your story. I'm like, well, yeah, which is true. <laughs> and then you're like, neither is true, you know? And it just is like, ah, oh, that's right. That's right. Like, None of it is the truth. The truth is you have one son, period. That's it. Mm-hmm. And everything else is creative and and jumping from extreme to extreme. And oh, I mean, it, like, I just can never hear that enough. And, you know, I say it myself all the time, but it just, it, it's like, oh, that's right. It's everything else is subjective. And then, yeah. oh, and it's just so huge to see and so huge to hear that again and again. And And like you said, because of that, it's okay when these stories show up, you know, and, and one big thing that I'm hearing and, and how you've come to terms with this is, is really like the absence of bypassing. It's not like you're in there saying, because again, why would you, if it's all subjective, you're not in there saying, oh, it's okay. And we were meant to have one child and this is our destiny, you know, and that, and again, it's totally fine when people think that way because I think mm-hmm. that's our mind just trying to help us cope in the moment and sometimes that's the that's the best relief we have but but I just really hear you in a place where it's like yeah when I'm sad about it I'll grieve about it I might cry about it still I might cry about it until I die and then and then it'll be followed by joy and that that just feels so right mm, yeah absolutely because it's just it's such a clear example to me of which you know, hey, I know your you know your listeners will be very you know aware of this, but it's just such a clear example of how our thought is just creating our reality. Our experience changes, and that's the reality that I get to live in of sadness and grief about it and wishing it was different. And then I get to live in a completely different reality about it, and that's happening all of the time. And this is, you know, this is one of the things where I, again, I go back to, like, it's the kindness of the design. It's the goodness of the design. Like the insight, just like we have the capacity for an insight to drop in that will three, you know, 180 
our view of something and we feel 100% different about it. And also the kindness of the design is, is that our feelings aren't coming from our circumstances. So I have, you know, sometimes when I talk with clients about this and they kind of, people rally, and I, I'm, I did as well. When I first heard this on I was like, what do you mean my circumstances don't make me feel something? Don't be ridiculous. And I have clients say that. What so you say if I get you lose my job or I get a diagnosis or you know, that that isn't coming from my circumstances. But the kindness of our design is if it was coming from our circumstances, then there's no capacity for me to feel differently about this situation because I'm only probably, I think, I'm only going to have one child that's going to remain fixed. So therefore, if I had, if, if my feelings were coming from that fixed circumstance, I've, I've got to live with either feeling sad or happy about it either way until my, the day that I'm no longer in this body. But the beauty of our design is because, of, because it isn't coming from our circumstances, it's coming from thought arising in the moment. It's coming from this who knows where power that sends us thinking and sends us insights and that's going to change for sure that is going to change that's beautiful that means that I'm never a victim to the circumstance of this because my experience is going to come from my thinking that's going to change going to shift and going to bring me lots of different experiences of it so to me you that's just another beautiful example of how we're totally designed for this reality we are totally 100% perfectly designed and that's just so well for me again they use the word comforting it's just so comforting to know that that I don't have to change my thoughts I don't have to um, change my circumstance I don't have to have another child in order to feel okay I can just know that what is going to flow through is going to change and that's what I'm going to get to experience I let myself feel it all and then on it goes and my mind will pick up thinking about something else of course it does because that's what minds do but we're meant to be this way you know we, this is how we're built yeah it's it's amazing I mean it just it feels like such a relief and mm-hmm. so relaxing when you talk about it this way that it, it is it is just what's there and I, and I I also love there's something coming up around this that I think um, I hear a lot of people I'm sure you do as well with your clients uh, who on some level might might have a similar experience to what you're having or you know let's just say they still feel some grief and something doesn't feel completely buttoned up and done and over mm-hmm. with and and our mind will kind of tell us that that somehow we're failing. Like there's something, like people will say a lot, like what am I not seeing around this? What mm-hmm. am I not seeing around this? Mm-hmm. You know, and and it's like, I, just in how you're talking about this, what I always say to that is like, maybe there's nothing you're not, maybe the only thing you're not seeing, if anything, is that this is all normal and okay. You know, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't have to be completely a non-issue. It's fine to be sad about something for the rest mm-hmm. of your life. And ironically, when you're okay with that, like I hear you being, mm-hmm. it just isn't a major, major thing. It can be there in, in the background forever. Mm. Yeah, 100%, Amy. And I think that for me, that has been probably the greatest gift of this understanding is the not fearing my emotions 
because I spent, I don't know, 20, 25 years trying to fix how I felt, you know, self-helping myself. And to, to really know that whatever I am feeling is going to change, going to move, is completely safe, even when I don't like it, because, you know, I, you know, I still have experienced more anxiety than my personality enjoys. You know, it's just, it's still, it comes up and I'm like, whoa, here we go, you know. But but knowing the safety of that, you know, and I sometimes don't quite like the word safety, but just knowing that, that, that we are meant to feel it all. And I think this is where your work has been so instrumental for me, is just the seeing of the experience arising, that it isn't who we are and that it's totally okay you know that's really the most major liberation really is the being able to feel it all because life isn't as you say it's like when we kind of think oh if I'm feeling this feeling that means there's something wrong and I'm not seeing something well no that isn't true it's just having the freedom for anything to show up you know, and, I, and I, I'm not saying, and I sound like I'm not this total Zen-like person. I mean, I still, if I get go into a bit of an anxiety spiral, I'm still like, why is this happening? And I get in my head about it for sure. But underneath that is a knowing, oh, this is going to pass, and it, it's not who I am, and it, it's going to ebb, and it's, it's going to flow. And again, not up to me. I don't get to choose when it passes. So I love that. That that's. It, it, it is really the lack of resistance, isn't it, that you talk about so much? Yeah, yeah, totally. And it, and and kind of, you know, we can be onto this the way that you're talking about, and that you know, people listening are like, we can know that it's a subjective, creative process, and it's we're feeling mm-hmm. our thinking and not our our experience, and still really, really feel it. Like you're saying, it's still still really not like that we feel it in all of that. It's like we kind of just keep widening the circle and you kind of just go out into infinity and it's like, okay, well, that, that's okay too. And that's okay too. Because I think, you know, a mind will have a hard time with that. Like, oh, well, if I if I know it's thinking and I know it's a story, you know, then why would it hurt? Well, who cares if it hurts? If you're say, If you feel okay in all experience, and again, I say that, not that we all do all the time, but no, but in no. the bigger picture, you know, like exactly what you're saying. If we're if we're just along for the ride and we're not so afraid to feel, then just why would we need to pick and choose at all? Mm-hmm. You know, it yeah. just is so kind of more all encompassing of anything and everything. Mm. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's really the key phrase, isn't it? Is not being afraid to feel. And I think that's been such the major revelation of this for me. Yeah. is the no longer being afraid to feel stuff or and and or thinking that the feelings that I experience mean something about me and mean something about how I'm doing in my life. Like it it means something about me that I'm still sad about this, you know, yes. or yeah. I'm not yeah. sad about this. Well, no, that's not true. It doesn't mean anything about me. It's just what's arising and what's passing through. Yeah. You know, and I, I read something the other day. You know, when you have one of those, when you're reading something and a, a, a sentence just jumps out at you like a, it's again, it's that kind of like insight realization feeling where you go, oh, that's amazing. And I, and you know, and it was like, and it just said, no feeling is final. And I was just like, wow, that really speaks to that, you know, like the river that you talk about where it's just, 
there isn't any getting to the end of something of something being totally finalized there's no feeling that is final it's all that feeling is always open to change and nuance and ebbing and flowing and it's just knowing that that's how we're meant to be so we don't need to resist it or fight it or make ourselves wrong for anything that we're feeling knowing that it's it's definitely going to change it absolutely will yeah and that it's not as it appears you know like it's mm-hmm. not like oh brace yourself here comes a wave of grief no. i mean for sure sometimes it feels like that no question but also sometimes you feel a wave of grief and like you said it's it's messy it's like our words make it feel like oh this is grief and this is joy mm-hmm. and whatever but you know a lot of times that sadness that you feel is when you look at your son and you love him mm-hmm. so much you know and like so yeah. where are the lines and what and yeah. why is sadness even a bad thing you know only to a black and white mind would it would it be yeah. that way yeah yeah absolutely yeah it is you're right it's only ever our minds isn't it that don't like uh the feelings really yeah. I don't like the uncertainty of what they mean or make stuff up about them. So if there's one thing, I, I think like as we talk about this, um, for mm. people who are going through things and mm. trying to come to terms with their thinking, you know, waiting till they come to terms with things, mm. like one thing I'm hearing, um, and I love how you say throughout, uh, it's not really on us, you know, and I, and I, I think it's so important that you point out that this is built in and that you were having these insights it had nothing to do with knowing this understanding at all. It's just yeah. way before that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's helpful to kind of, for people to maybe take away that bit, I, I think, and you tell me what you see around this, mm-hmm. that if there's one little thing that we can kind of have on our radar, it's like if we're willing to be wrong you know, like if you were going to dig your heels in and say, no, divorce is bad. Look at my parents. End of story. You you might be suffering a lot more <laughs> right now. <laughs> or, you know, no, I want two kids and that's the end of it. But it's like, if, and this is the hardest thing sometimes, but if we're willing to just hold what we think we know and even what we think we want very, very loosely, mm-hmm. it just feels like like this this system that's built into us to help us move on and cope with things gets to move a little more quickly and a little more freely if we aren't in there clinging so much. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I would agree with you. I think it is just that it's like the tiny, tiniest little crack in your belief that what you are thinking is telling you the truth. That either, you know, the truth that my ex-husband should have stayed, the truth that he should have behaved in a different way. You know, if I'd held all of that really strongly, then it might be that it might have taken longer or I might not have got to the point where it was like, oh, I need to be grateful to him for what he did, you know, which is such a big change. But it really is just in any situation that we find ourselves in, if we can even just a tiny little bit step back and, as you said, question, okay, is this objective truth? Is my thinking telling me the objective truth? Have I heard anything different? Have I heard anything? Has my mind told me anything different about this? And sometimes it doesn't. You know, sometimes minds do get pretty fixed on one story, don't they? You know, but it is just that that willingness, I suppose, is also just a willingness to, okay, one day, I, I'm willing to maybe see this differently. That's, 
I think really the it's holding it a little bit more lightly than this is the truth of my experience and seeing what else flows in seeing what else shows up and being uh willing to listen to that and to notice that and and to really let your experience change, I suppose it is. I mean, even that's not, that even sounds like that's too much control. We can't really let uh, let it happen or not let it happen. Yeah. But just that little willingness to let a crack in, in what we believe about our circumstance or our situation, or as you say, about what we want out of life. Because I think invariably, I do, you know, personally, I do believe that there is a much greater intelligence running the show, as I know you do, you may not phrase it like that, but, you know, that then my my little personal mind um, is going to make up about how my life should have gone. Yeah. Wow. I love this conversation. Thank you so much for, for sharing with us, Lindsay. Thank you. I've really enjoyed our conversation, Amy, and thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I think it's just going to be just really eye-opening for a lot of people. And you, the way that you talk about how we're feeling our thinking, I don't know why, maybe I just haven't heard it in a while or there's something about the way that you that you kind of express that it just feels so clear. Um, I don't know. Just I really I really appreciate it. So thank you. Thank you so much. Do you want a life-changing experience for yourself as you learn how to support others as a change coach? In the Change Coach Training Program, you'll spend six months immersing deeply in this paradigm with me and an incredible group of people. You'll get to observe and debrief a ton of coaching before doing a ton of coaching yourself with support and feedback the whole way through. You'll leave the program feeling confident and ready to work with others and with the option of becoming a certified change coach. The program is unlike any other in terms of the personal feedback, guidance, and support you receive. Check out all the details at dramyjohnson.com slash coach training. And if you're unsure about the live training course, you can always begin with the Change Coach Self-Study course. Everything you pay toward the self-study will apply toward the live training if you choose to do that one later. You can see more about the self-study at dramyjohnson.com slash cc self-study.